Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 256 256- Four eight three four nine nine one. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now, get ready as our lead pastor Steve Husky continues with part four of the series Greater Than. All right, good morning, Faith Church. It's great to see everybody. Hey, slap somebody high five beside him. Tell him, come on, it's great to see him. Tell him you're looking skinny, you're looking thin, because that makes everybody feel good. Have you been losing weight lately? That's the greatest thing you could just tell anybody. No, but thanks for noticing anyways. Actually, I put on 10 pounds, but thanks. It's good to see everybody this morning. Hey, listen, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. My wife and I, Shauna, and our three kids have been here for the last five years. Love what God is doing at Faith Church. We love what God's doing in the shoals, and we love that we get to be a part of it. So... For all of you that have been here for a while and all of you that are new, we just want to say welcome. Glad to have you this morning. And welcome those who are watching online. Come on, let's give it up for our online audience. We always have each and every week hundreds of people who are watching. We have people in um, really, truly all over the United States. It's kind of crazy um, the amount of people that we have that watch. And that's because some of you share um, different things on social media and people pick it up. And you have friends, some that come in town and decide once they go home that they want to stay connected to Faith Church and some that travel. And so... Wherever you're watching, live or um, in person, we're glad that you're here. So listen, I've, uh, I've kind of come to a conclusion in life that I think some of you guys can agree with, and it's this, that the more I want something, the less I'm concerned with how much it costs. Isn't that true? Like, if you really want something, like, it doesn't matter if you see it, ladies, you all got to help me out here. Like, if you see the perfect dress, you don't even care what it costs because it's the perfect dress. You know, if you want something, like, and we just have a way when we want something Like, if our heart's determined to have something, guys, if we want a new gun, it doesn't matter how much it costs. If we want it, like, we're just going to get it. We're going to find a way to make it ours. And the same is true, like, on the other side, if you don't really want something, like, the first thing you notice is the cost, right? If your kid brings you something like, Dad, I want this. Like, you want your kid to be happy, but if you look at the price tag and it's over, like, $3.99, sorry, you ain't getting it. (laughs) Like, every parent has a different price tag. That's mine, $3.99. You know, if, if my wife sometimes, and it's kind of funny, my wife does this, and maybe your spouse or your wife does this, you know, my wife, she'll go shopping and she'll bring home a couple of things and she'll buy a shirt, and she always justifies how much she spent by saying how much the original price was. Honey, do you like this shirt? It was regular, $195, but I only paid 50 All I heard was 50 I don't care how much the original price was, right? But watch this. So here's, here's what I want you to hear today as we start this message is this, is that passion ignores the price, Right? The more you desire something, the less it's about the dollars, right? The more you have an appetite for something, right? The less kind of you really care about how much it's going to cost you. Passion ignores the price. I can just give you just a great example in my own life. I give lots of them, but some of you guys know I mentioned it last week. Several weeks ago, my wife and I, we went with, uh, with Pastor Adam and, and uh, his wife, Brittany. We got to go to Cancun and part of a ministry thing, but a vacation thing. It was really cool. And so I've just made a decision in my life and Maybe you've made this decision too, but if you got to be fat, at least be tan. <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you're on the beach, listen, you don't look near as bad if you got some tan on you, right? Come on. Y'all don't got to clap. I'll clap for you. Woo! 
So, you know, for a long time now, probably 20 years, anytime we know we're going on vacation and we're going to be in the sun or we're going to be on the beach, like we got to hit the tanning bed for a while. Is anybody with me? And here's what's weird is I feel real odd about going into a tanning bed. Like I put my hood up. I like, you know, cover my face. I'm kind of embarrassed to go. I don't like people to know that I'm there. I mean, it's obvious when I've been, right? Be jealous. Be jealous. So, so my wife, she started going to the tanning bed in preparation for our trip to Cancun, probably about a month beforehand. Some of you know this who go to tanning beds. They have like different levels of beds. And honestly, man, my life is just busy and I kept meaning to go. I could go at lunch and I wouldn't get a chance and I'm going to go after work and I wouldn't get a chance. And so I waited and put it off and put it off and put it off. Finally, we're like four days until we, truly it was four days until we left. And I'm as white as Casper. And so I walked into the tanning bed, and I'm like, listen, I need to get some brown or bronze or just some red on this. In four days, what do you got? And so she says, okay, listen, we're going to hook you up. And so she says, you need to get in this bronze bed. And if you get in this ultra bed and you get in the mega light super make you glow in the dark bed, and she's ringing it up. She's like, you need some bronzer. And I don't know what bronzer is, but it's supposed to help. So like, I'm like, okay, I'll take it. And listen, now, some of you guys who got lots of money, you ain't going to flinch at this. For four visits to the tanning bed and a bottle of bronze, she's like, that would be $109. That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> but then I took out my wallet and I paid. Because I'm just telling you, listen, passion ignores the price. It's not that I didn't care about the price. It's just that I cared less about the price than I did going to the beach being spooky white. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? Passion ignores the price. Everybody say that. Passion ignores the price. Again, it's just kind of the habit. It's just the way that we think that, again, we just kind of tend to kind of push it off. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, everything's within reach. It doesn't mean that we just kind of have no financial responsibility. But what I mean is, again, that there are things we want that if we really want it, we don't pay attention to how much it costs. The only time cost comes into the equation is when we kind of care more about the money than it is the thing we're trying to buy, purchase, or be a part of. And so today, as we finish up this series entitled Greater Than, I want to talk about something that I believe will help all of us if we'll open up our hearts and open up our ears and open up really what God wants to say to us. If you've not been here through this series, greater than is just a declaration I believe that God's given us to declare on our life, to declare on our church, to declare in our situations in 2017 that God is greater than. Everybody say those words, greater than. Through this series, we've been saying things like this, that God's strength is greater than our struggle. That no matter what your weakness is, God's strength and ability is able to come alongside and compensate for the weakness in your life. We talked about that God's power is greater than our pain. That no matter what you've gone through, God has a way of working all things together for good. Last week, one of the greatest messages I believe there is, it's the centrality of Scripture, that God's grace is greater than our guilt. I'm glad you all are fired up about that. Like, I'm thankful that God's grace is greater than my struggle, my guilt, my sin, my shame, my downfall. God's grace is greater. And so today, what I want to talk about as we close this is this, is that God's provision is greater than our poverty. God's ability to provide in my life, God's ability to meet my need, God's ability to show up and to, sp- to supply, here's what the Bible says, all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, God's provision is greater than my poverty. That as a child of God, I believe with all of my heart that as his son, as his child, that I believe that God is my supplier, I believe that God meets my needs, I believe that God is the blessing in my life, and, but I believe this, and it's greater than my poverty, it's greater than my struggle, it's greater than my shortcoming, God's my supplier. 
And I know some of you in this room, you already know it. You ought to be clapping because God's been faithful to supply you and bless you for a long, long time now. Can anybody bless the Lord for God's faithfulness? Now, if you've not caught on yet, maybe you're a little slow on the uptake. That's okay. But let me just tell you, today we're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about giving because when I talk about and I say that God's provision is greater than our uh, poverty, it comes with an asterisk. Because I believe throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, that God has a principle, that God has something that he wants us to hear. And so for you that are, have been in church for a long time, I want you to really open up and, and really kind of dial in and hone in. If you're new to church, I don't want you to dial out. You might buy the old hype that all the church cares about is your money. And uh, here's what I care about. Frankly, as, you, as a pastor, I care about your relationship with Christ and you moving forward in your spiritual journey, that you being all and doing all that God wants you to be and do. That's truly my heart for you. And so part of that has to come on the understanding of giving. But again, here's, here's what I know, and I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that people don't give, people who don't give, they don't do it because they don't want to or because they can't. Now, they may think, well, I would like to, but I can't. And, and here's why I know that's not true. It's because passion ignores the price. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to help me out. I know it's rainy out. Y'all are quiet today. See, if you really want something, you will ignore the price. Passion ignores the price. And when you read Scripture, there's a couple links that are absolutely incredible on the front end that, you, that we kind of take note of, and it's this, that, that our honor of God is directly connected to our giving in Scripture. And also, the blessing of God in Scripture is directly connected to our giving. And so if you're here and you're maybe saying, well, you know, Pastor Steve, listen, I, I don't give or I, I can't give or I haven't given the way I wanted to, I would just say those things aren't probably really the issue. Really the issue is that you don't have the proper passion because when you have the proper passion, I'm just telling you, it'll, it'll drive you to want to honor God through your giving. When you have a proper passion, it'll drive you to want to have the blessing of God on your life. And so today we're going to look at a story found all the way back in the Old Testament to help us to dial into this incredible principle. And so we're going to go all the way back to the first two brothers in scripture. As we read this story, here's the setup. God takes us in and he lets us know that right in the beginning, after God made humanity, Adam and Eve, first two kids born on planet earth, two brothers, Cain and Abel. And once they're born, we find them in, in an act of worship to God and their act of worship is directly connected to giving. Amen. And so let's pick up where this story is. Check this out. Genesis chapter 4. It says, Then Adam had intercourse with his wife. If anybody asks you in church, like, hey, what you guys talk about in church today? Just drop that verse on them. We talked about intercourse. Then Adam, just, come on, y'all got to help me out. I'm, it's in the Bible. It's, it's free game when it's in the Bible. Try that with the Song of Solomon. Anyways, then Adam, <laughs> then Adam had intercourse with his wife. I'm firing you all up. Listen. We're going. Y'all are coming with me. If i got to drag you kicking and screaming, you're coming. <laughs> then Adam, we've read this four times. It might be a... <laughs> Let's just read that and pray and go home and, and practice what we preach. <laughs> Where are we? Where are we at? <laughs> okay, let's... Stop now, for real. This is serious. Y'all are messing me up. Then Adam, okay, and, and she became pregnant. Some of you need to know, like, that's how that happens. Some of you got six kids. You're like, how do we get so many kids? 
A is directly connected to B. Keep going. So she bore a son. She bore a son and said, by the Lord's help. This is so important. By the Lord's help, I have gotten a son. So she named him Cain. Keep going. Later, she gave birth to another son, Abel. Abel became a shepherd, but Cain became a farmer. So Adam and Eve sleep together. They have a son. The first son is Cain. The second son later on comes along is Abel, right? Cain, he's a guy who goes out and works in the field. Abel's a guy that, that raises cattle, and they come together. They're older right now. This next verse, they're older. They're worshiping God in their sacrificial giving, and here's what the story says. Watch this, verse 3. After some time, y'all got to read this with me. After some time, Cain brought some of his harvest and gave it as an offering to the Lord. So I want you to notice right in the beginning as this story starts to unfold that this guy Cain comes on the scene, the first son ever born. And the Bible says in his act of giving, in his act of sacrificial giving, the Bible says that he gave after some time some of his harvest. So he gave what was convenient when it was convenient for him. Now, the reason this is really important, because if we're honest, if we're honest, and I can say this not personally to you, so please guard your heart against offense. I can certainly talk. I've been in ministry for a long time. I can say generally this is the attitude of a lot of people who are in church, that they give, that they give what's convenient when it's convenient. Now, I just know that, right, Cain, he's got to have this kind of attitude like, well, at least I gave something. Like, some people don't give anything. At least I gave something. Maybe I did it when it was convenient for me and what was convenient for me, but, hey, at least I gave something. But I want you to notice, because really this story is about contrast between the first brother and his offering and the second brother and his offering. So then it says this about Abel. It says, then Abel brought the first lamb. Y'all got to read this. Then Abel brought what? Not a lamb. He brought what? The first lamb, born to one of his sheep, killed it, and gave what? the best parts of it, as an offering. So Cain comes along, and he doesn't, give, he doesn't give after some time some of his harvest. He comes and he gives the first, and he gives the best. Everybody say those two words. He gives the first, and he gives the best. This, this verse, the reason this is here, when it says the first lamb, it's a principle that you find all the way through Scripture. It is this principle called the first fruits. It's the principle of the first. And the principle of the first is, and you find it all the way through Scripture, is that God expects people who follow him, love him, and serve him to honor him in the way that they give by giving God the best and giving God the first. And you find this terminology used throughout Scripture, especially the Old Testament, but this idea of first fruits, that when a harvest comes in, the first fruits of the harvest go to God. When, when you, if you, again, if you are uh, raising cattle or sheep, when your first sheep are born, the first of it, it goes to God. It's sacrificed to God. It's given to God. It's His. And you find this principle of the first, thr first fruits throughout Scripture, and it becomes a model for us as believers, as servants of the Most High, that as we serve God, we honor God through our giving, not just some of it, some of the time, not just giving what's convenient when it's convenient, but by giving God the first fruits. And so let me just give you a couple of scriptures real quick. Check this out. In Exodus 23, 19, it says, as you harvest your crops, bring what? The very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. So God gives very clear instructions. Now, if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, like, that's great, but I'm not a farmer. You're going to see, here's the next verse. It kind of widens the range a little bit. Honor the Lord with what? Your wealth. 
and with the first fruits of all your increase. So if you're not a farmer, but you work for a paycheck, if you, if you get dividends, if you get right bonuses, every time you are increased in your wealth, the first of it goes to God. You say, well, the first, what do you mean the first? Well, the Bible tells us what it means by the first. Look at one more scripture here. Go back, please. Uh, there's a verse, it's, it's not here, but it's found in the Old Testament, and it says that the tithe, the tithe, everything in the land, the tithe of it is the Lord's. Now, I wish I could tell you how emphatic those words, it's the Lord's. The tithe, the tenth, the first dime on every dollar, the first dollar on every ten dollars, the first penny on every dime, it's God's. You say, well, why in the world would, would we do that? And here's why. Again, because passion ignores the price. When you're passionate about God, when I'm passionate about God, I want to honor God. Does anybody disagree with that statement that we want to honor the Lord? God, I want you honored in my life. God, I want you exalted. I want, I want it evident that, God, you are central in my life. Can anybody just amen that? Like, forget about money. That statement, I think, would agree is true. So when it comes in the context of our giving, that's one of the ways that we honor God and make him central. Because by giving God the tithe, the first tenth, the first fruits, what we're doing is we're saying, God, we recognize that everything we have comes from you. Everything we have comes by you. And we believe that, God, everything we have is blessed, not just from the past, but going forward. And so this idea of the first fruits, this idea of the first fruits is this, and this is so big, that we give God the first and he blesses the rest. So when we get paid, we bring God the first and he blesses the rest. Y'all got to say it. We bring God the first and he blesses now, you see this throughout Scripture. The first fruits, the first tenth, the tithe belongs to God. When you sacrifice to God what's his, he blesses the rest. When you don't sacrifice to God, I promise you, you will lose it anyways, and God's blessing is not on the rest. I'll give you a prime example. I can give you lots of them. Some of you maybe who've been in church for a little while have heard the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho, Jericho, Joshua and the walls of so it's this guy, right? So God brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, says, hey, I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to give you. Joshua is now leading the nation of Israel. They go into the promised land. There are 10 cities. Everybody say 10. What is a tithe of 10? What is 10% of 10 cities? For all you math people. So what God is saying is, remember, and he says it over and over, the first of the 10 belongs to me. So they go in to take the land. So the first city they come to is this city called Jericho. Before they go in, God says, hey, listen, listen, you're going to go in there and there's gold and silver and there's cattle. He says, but don't touch any of it because this first city is the tithe. It belongs to me. Don't take any of it. And they go in and God blesses them. The walls fall down. They take the city. But unbeknownst to Joshua, some of the people go in and take the tithe, take the tenth and don't give it to God. They go to the next city, city number two. It's a very small city that they should very easily be, to be able to overcome. But instead, they get their butts handed to them. They lose. They go running. Joshua goes back to God saying, God, what happened? I thought you were with us. We gave you the first. You were supposed to bless the rest. What happened? And here's what God says to him. Check this out in Joshua. God says, here's why you lost the battle. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. God said, I told you, if you'll give me the first, I'll bless the rest. But because you kept the first, the rest is cursed. It's huge. I'll give you another prime example. And this, this applies to everyone in this room that loves Jesus and calls him your savior and your Lord. 
Do you know the Bible says that Jesus is our tithe? That Jesus, he is, Jesus is our first fruits. Remember what the principle of the first fruits is, is that you give God the first and God says he'll do what with the rest? He'll bless the rest. Check, what out, with, check out what the Bible says. This is really kind of cool. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, Christ is what? He's the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Here's what the Bible's saying is because God gave his son Jesus, he sacrificed his son Jesus, now all the rest of us, we're blessed because of Jesus. All the rest of us are children of God. All the rest of us, we're saved, we're delivered, we belong to him. Do you know why? Because the first was given, the rest are blessed. Which means had Jesus not been given, we would still be under the curse of sin. So like you find this principle that God says, I expect people who follow me, who call me Lord, who call me Savior, to demonstrate that their honor for me and open up their life of blessing by me by being people who honor the principle of first, who honor the principle of the tithe. So here's where the story picks up. Check this out. Go all the way back. Genesis chapter 4. Keep going. It says in the Lord, this is so crazy, watch this. Here's the contrast now. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but he rejected Cain and his offering. Now see, here's, here's the funny thing is, a lot of people, and, and, and I'm, I'm really trying to say this not at all to condemn you, but I really believe that we should pull in and listen to what Scripture says. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Scripture, it's God's idea, God's, it's what he said. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction righteousness. Which means if you want to know who God is, what God is like, and what God expects, go to Scripture. Not opinion, not denomination, go to God. And so when we find out, right, that this story, because it's Scripture, it's profitable for us to teach us something. And so in contrast, if you're here and you think, hey, it doesn't matter what I give, right? I'm just going to do my best. I'm just going to do what I can afford this week. Next, next week, it might be nothing. Like the week after that, I might be able to double something. But like, it doesn't really matter to God what I give, does it? Does it matter if I don't give anything because he knows my situation? I'm just telling you what scripture says, that one of the first stories is a clear example of two people who were worshiping God, who had different offerings. And the Bible says this again about the contrast of their offerings. The Lord, come on, read it, was pleased with Abel and his offering. But what? rejected Cain and his offering, and Cain became furious and scowled in anger. You say, why? Because you got to know this, that, that Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted to give it, and Abel gave God what he wanted and when God wanted him to give it. There is absolutely the contrast in the way that our giving should be. There's so many people in churches, so many people who call themselves Christ followers, so many people, and I believe who genuinely love the Lord, but maybe have never been taught the Word of God, or maybe really have never understood it or have embraced it. They don't have the proper passion, so all they see is the price. I believe it's because, right, that we come back to this principle that so many people give God what they want when they want to give it, but I'm just telling you, everybody, listen to me. God wants us to give him what he wants when he wants us to give it to him. And I don't know about you, but I just believe he's worth it and he deserves it. And we do it to everybody else. Listen, you don't give your boss what you want when you want to give it. Uh, hey, uh, boss, like, I know it's, I know it's 1039. I know I was supposed to be here at eight o'clock this morning, but you know, I mean, I'm just going to get here when I feel like it. And, uh, I know you wanted those reports by Friday, but I'm probably not gonna have them for you for a couple of weeks. I hope that's okay. Y'all going to be in the employment line. This is your boss. Listen, come on guys. Listen, come on guys. Come on. Listen guys, if you're going to the movies with your wife, you're going to watch a romantic movie. 
I mean, not me, because I mean, that's how I roll, but my wife, I mean, her and her, my daughter started watching this movie last night, and I just couldn't take it. I was like, someone needs to get shot or something needs to explode quick. Right? Listen, for real, your wife, when you were dating, even before they were your spouse, you didn't give them what you wanted when you wanted to give it, right? You gave them what they, come on, you gave them what they wanted when you wanted them to give it. That's why you got married. And listen, God comes on the scene in Malachi and he says, listen, he says, the way you're giving to me, so many people give what they want when they want to give it. God says, try that with your governors. Try that with anybody important. God said, you would never do it to them. Why do you do it to me? God is the one who sets the standard. He says, listen, for everybody who wants to honor me and be blessed by me, you can't give what you want when you want to give it. You got to give what I want and when I want you to give it. And that is the first fruit. That is the principle of first or the tithe that we give God the first tenth. That when we increase, when we get a paycheck, when grandma sends us a card in the mail with $20 because she's been doing it for 32 years. The first dime on every dollar belongs to God. And when we give God the first, his promise, right, is to bless the rest. And so the challenge, again, is for every one of us to kind of get in this place where, man, our passion is not really about giving, but our passion increases that we want to have the honor of God in our life and the blessing of God through our life. And then we demonstrate that by being tithers and givers. And I'm going to now change gears and kind of stop using this word giving. I've been using it because that's what a lot of us are familiar with. But again, it really is the tithe. And I just want you to know that as you read Scripture, there's only two things you can do with the tithe. You can bring the tithe or you can steal the tithe. There's only two things in Scripture you can do with the tithe. You can bring it, or you can steal it. Because when God gives us something, ultimately in Scripture, the principle is this, is that everything we have belongs to God. It's not ours. Now, the house, the deed might be in your name, the bank account might be in your name, but scripturally, the Bible says everything belongs to God. As Christ followers, we just steward what we have. We just hold on to and we manage what he's given us, and we will be held accountable for how we manage the resources he put in our care. And one of the first things he expects is that we bring the tithe back to him so that when he blesses you, he increases you. We recognize that we're stewards by bringing the first tenth back to him, by bringing the tithe to the Lord, by bringing it to the house of worship where we're at. Now, again, I, I know that's challenging, but again, the, the other thing, the other option is to steal it. Let me tell you what I mean. If... Uh, if you borrowed something, or if I borrowed something from you, if, like, let's say I had a tree fall in my backyard and I needed to come to your house and borrow a chainsaw. So if I came over and I said, hey, man, my, my tree fell, I don't have a chainsaw. Do you have a chainsaw I can borrow? If, I, if you were my neighbor and you had a chainsaw and you loaned it to me, and I took it home for a couple of days and I'm cutting down the tree and, you know, I'm cleaning up the mess, and a couple of days later I come over to your house and I got a box wrapped up with a bow on it. I'm like, happy birthday. I heard it was your birthday last week. I just want to get you a gift. And you open it up like, man, you don't have to get me nothing. And you open it up and it was your chainsaw. You say, you can't give me this. this is my, you can't give me my chainsaw. You can't give God what's already his. You can only bring it to him. So we bring the tithe or we steal the tithe. Either we bring it back to God or we keep it. But here's what everybody needs to know. Somebody's getting your first and somebody's getting your best. Either it's God or it's somebody else. And I believe with all in my heart, when it was Cain, I believe the attitude of Cain was this. Listen, God, it's mine. 
All the vegetables, all the fruits, they're mine. Listen, I tilled the ground. I plowed the ground. I planted the seed. I'm the one who grew it. I'm the one who weeded it. I'm the one who harvested it. But I believe, I believe Abel should represent our hearts. I believe Abel's attitude was, God, I wouldn't even have a lamb if it wasn't for you. God, you're the one that blessed me with the lamb. God, you're the one that blessed the grass to grow to feed my lamb. God, it's all yours anyways. I'm just going to bring back what belongs to you because, God, you are faithful to bless my life. Like that... When you get that attitude, there's passion. God, it's all yours. Father, thank you for blessing me. God, thanks for my home, Lord. God, thanks for my kids. God, thank you for my health. God, I couldn't even get up and go to my job today had you not put breath in my lungs. God, I couldn't go to a job had you not provided my job. God, I know lots of people that don't have a job, and I know people that have a job that hate their job. God, I thank you that you blessed me with a good job. Thank you for blessing me with a boss that I can get along with. Father, thank you for my kids. God, thanks that I got money in my bank account and food in my cupboard. Because, God, we live in a world where a third of the people are starving. God, we live in a world where right now 67% of this world live on a dollar a day or less. God, thanks that I'm blessed. Lord, it all belongs to you. God, I'm passionate to de declare to this world that I honor God, and God, I want to open my life to the blessing and favor, so that's why I'm a tither. Not about money. It's about passion. So again, you have the contrast. Story goes on. It says this. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why that scowl on your face? I've said this before because people get funny when you talk about money. Some of you are scowling right now. It's okay. I don't have my contacts in, so you don't bother me. I'm just kidding. No, really, they need updated. Some of you are kind of blurry. I'm going to be honest. Keep going. Watch this. He says, this is so big. Watch. Y'all read this with me. God says, if you had done the right thing, the what? There cannot be a right thing unless there's a, oh, come on. There can't be a, unless there's a, so the mentality of like God doesn't care, it doesn't matter, it just doesn't hold up with scripture. Because when God looks at Cain and what he gave and when he gave it, God says, listen, you didn't do the right thing. Because had you done the right thing, you would be smiling. I'm just telling you, when you're a tither and a giver, you have joy, that's a fact. Because when I tithe and give, it, off, it opens up the blessing of God on my life. I don't have to worry about a job. Do you know what? Because when I tithe and I give, I, what I do is I say, God, you're responsible for the provision of my life, not me. Listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. Don't clap yet. Listen. Faith Church doesn't pay my bills. God pays my bills. If I quit, if I get fired, if something happens to me, I promise you God will still be my provider. Listen to me. Where you work, they are not your provider. Listen, well, I'm about to lose my job. They're about to downsize. I know that can make you panic. But Jesus said, why do you worry? Listen, worrying can't change anything. You need to acknowledge that if God takes care of the birds of the air, how much more valuable are you than they? He's going to take care of you too. You know why? Because God is our provider. And when you tithe, we're declaring to the world, I'm not responsible. He is. Come on, somebody. Now you can clap. So if you had done the right thing, you would be smiling. But because you have done what is, come on, evil, sin is crouching at your door. Hear me. Some people will look and say, well, the tithe is just Old Testament. No, 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 no. Listen, you can find very clearly... In order for God to be able to look at Cain and say, Cain, there was a right thing and a wrong thing. There was a right thing and an evil thing. There was a right thing and sin, and you chose sin. That means there had to have been some kind of law, some kind of code for him to know he did the wrong thing. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, that sin, like how we know what sin is, sin is a violation of the law. So the only way Cain could have sinned or done the wrong thing is he violated what the right thing was. And so when we give what we want, when we want to give it, we're missing the mark. 
And it's not about, this is not a salvation issue. Hear me. This is not a love issue. You can never give a dime and God loves you. And you can be saved. But I'm just telling you that I believe with all of my heart that if you are saved and you love the Lord, that it should be evidenced in part by what we do with what we have. In fact, you go on, and here's a great scripture in the book of Hebrews, and it kind of lets us know a little bit more about the contrast of the offerings between Cain and Abel. And it says this, go back. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, read it with me. It was by faith that Abel brought what? A more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. This word, more acceptable, is a word, and it's the Greek word pleon, P-L-E-O-N, pleon. And what it means is more in quantity and more in quality, more in quantity and more in quality. So God is telling us all the way later in the book of Hebrews, do you know why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's? Is because Abel was more in quantity and it was more in quality. Abel gave what God wanted when God wanted him to give it, and Cain gave what he wanted and when he wanted to give it. Check this out. It goes on. It says, Abel's offering gave evidence. Everybody shout evidence. What's the evidence? That you're passionate about God. If you're focused on the price, passion ignores the price. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed, this is good, his approval. The word here is his favor. God, I want your favor. God, I want your blessing. Last part of this verse. It says, although Abel is long dead, it still speaks to us by the example of his faith. And so just a few more minutes, guys. Again, the challenge for all of us in this world, man, we're so pulled in so many different directions. We have so many financial obligations. Some of us are overcommitted. Some of us are in debt. And I just believe with all of my heart, I believe the scripture is, is biblically true and accurate all the way through that God has called us to be people who are givers and tithers. And I believe with all of my heart that we are called to give God the first and the best. That We are called in our life to be tithers and givers, to give God the first fruit, that God deserves the first and the best. And what that looks like for us today, one more, couple more scriptures real quick, and we'll wrap this up. Here's what the Bible says for New Testament believers. So for all of you that maybe been in church a while and you're like, yeah, but what about the New Testament? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. On the first day of the week, anybody know what day that is? That's Sunday. On the first day of the week, notice the word first is pretty important. On the first day of the week, let each, not those who got lots of money, whose bills are paid off, who are in a position to do something, but let who? Each of you lay aside something. Lay something aside. Now you might, well, there it is. I can do what I want. Uh-uh, it qualifies it. Storing up as he may prosper. Some translations say an equivalent to the level you've prospered. So some of you prospered a lot this week. Some of you didn't prosper so much. But in the level that you've prospered, in the amount that God has increased you on the first day of the week, that there will be a collection. There will be no collection when I come. So I believe the New Testament model is the first day of the week, every Sunday, when we show up to the house of worship, the place we worship, that we bring how God has increased us in this previous week. So if you didn't get a paycheck this past week, then you don't bring anything. But next week, when you get a paycheck, because you get paid every two weeks, what we bring God is we bring God the first fruits. We bring God the tithe. We bring God the first and the best. That is absolutely a principle. In fact, Jesus, he says this profound thing. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you that your passion is directly connected to your money. He says, show me where your money's going, and I'll show you what you're passionate about. So if you're here, you're like, but I love Jesus. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. So if you don't get mad at somebody... 
get mad at Jesus, because here's what Jesus said. Check this out in Matthew. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He says, show me where your money's going, and I'll show you what you're passionate about, which means God cannot be first in your heart if he is not first in your finances. That's, that's the principle. God cannot be first in your heart if he is not first in your finances. Because Jesus said, show me where your money's going, and I'll show you where your passion is. And so this is about us really corralling our heart to make God central in our life. And so we did this last year for the first time, and I prayed about it. I believe, man, God had did some really great things last year. Some of you guys were here last year, and you experienced this. Last year, man, we felt like God laid it on our heart as a leadership team and me as the pastor to do something called a 90-day tithe challenge. And here's the 90-day tithe challenge. Some of you in this room, some of you guys are already tithers. And, man, thank you for you that make the ministry of this house possible because you bring the tithe. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. Some of you in this room, you're already tithers, and I think that's great. Some of you are tippers. Y'all know what a tipper is, don't you? A tipper is, I, I'm not going to tithe because I don't want to tithe. I can't tithe, whatever. And so you drop something in. You bring what you want when you want to bring it. And some of you don't do anything. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm glad you're here. But to just come and sit and receive, 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 get, get, get. People wait on you and watch your kids. And you sit and get a great message and great worship and go home. And you never help the finance of this ministry. I believe God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He invites us in. I mean, this is a cool thing. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing on planet Earth. And part of the way we do that is through our giving. In fact, I'm going to ask a question. If you, if, if God's done something significant in your life through Faith Church, if God's blessed you in a big fashion, maybe he's rescued your marriage, he's changed your heart, he puts you on a walk of, of faith with him. If God's done something significant in your life through Faith Church, I want you to jump to your feet. Everybody look around. Everybody look around. If you're not saying, I want you to feel compelled. Maybe you've been saved for a long time and you're just kind of, it's cool. But I want you to look around. How many people God is touching through the ministry of this house? Y'all can be seated. You get to be a part of that more in your life and more in who's coming when you tithe and give because it equips this house to reach more people. And so today I'm going to issue... To everyone in this room, a 90-day tithe challenge. Here's the 90-day tithe challenge. It's found in Scripture. It's found in Scripture, not 90-day. We're kind of, we're tweaking a little bit, but here's the promise of God. Check it out. In the book of Malachi, it says, this is what God says. Come on, y'all hang with me a few more minutes. Bring all the tithes. Come on, read it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Watch it. He says, I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. I don't know about you, but I like some of that. And he says this, try it, put me to the test. So the reason we can issue, so if you're here and you think, oh, that's kind of gimmicky. The reason we can issue a 90-day tithe challenge is because God's got it. Here's the 90-day tithe challenge. If you'll commit for the next 90 days, for the next 90 days, to bring all the tithe to the local storehouse. If at the end of the 90 days, you can't say, God's, God has not been faithful to me. I regret, I regret being a tither. We'll give you your money back, no questions asked. You got nothing to lose. But here's what we found is, and some of you could stand up and testify to this. Some people who are not givers got on board last year, 90-day tithe challenge, and they're still tithing. Do you know why? Because here's what they found out. God's faithful. 
I found out a way to honor God in my life, and I found out a way to open God's blessing over my life. I'm in. And so I'm going to ask everybody in this room, in the chair back in front of you, there's a card. I want everybody to grab it. Everybody grab one. If you don't have one, you'll see it sitting right behind the connect envelopes. Everybody grab one. I need some ushers to bring some for the front row, please. I'm going to ask everybody in this house, especially if you're new here, no pressure. You hang out. I'm glad you're here today. But if this is home base, if you're like, hey, this is my church, even if you become a member or not, but you said this is home, I'm going to challenge. And you can, if you don't come here, you can take the challenge. If you'll tithe here for the next 90 days, you ain't got to come here. You'll tithe here the next 90 days. In the 90 days, you don't believe God's been faithful to keep his promise, write us and let us know. We'll give your money back. I can tell you this. Last year, um, I don't remember the numbers. We had a lot of people take this challenge. Do you know how many checks we wrote last year? None. Do you know why? Because God said, go ahead and try me. Put me to the test. See if I don't keep my word. So I want everybody to fill this out, this bottom portion. If you are deciding you want to take the 90-day tithe challenge, if you're already a tither, will you just fill this out just the way it's saying, Pastor, you can count me in for sure for the next 90. Some of you guys, man, you're not sure, and you're like, I don't know if I can do it, Pastor Steve. I got, listen, test him. Put him first. If you give God the first, come on, say it. He'll do what? He'll bless the rest. Now, listen, you can't send your tithe to Benny Hinn and bring in a receipt. You can't send it to another church. 90 days, bring your tithe here. All the tithe. At the end of 90 days, you don't believe God's been faithful, we'll give it back. So if you're already a tither, fill it out. If you're not a tither and you want to take the challenge, fill this out. When you're done, you can break off the card, tear it off. There's going to be ushers in the back on your way out. You can drop it to them. I'll stay in contact with you for the next 90 days to encourage you and challenge you. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just, I just believe that God's going to do some great things in your life and in this house. Anybody believe that? Anybody here believe that God's faithful? He said, try me. So we're going to try him. So I'm going to give you a minute to fill this out. I want to pray for you. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for grace and for mercy. God, I thank you for life change. God, so many people that stood and said, my life's been impacted through the ministry of Faith Church. God, we recognize really that's all you. So God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your provision. I pray that God, people in this house would be challenged and stretched. God, to make sure that, Lord, honor is not just a word, but it's a sacrifice. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you'll be first in our finances. That, God, we'll bring the best. We'll bring the first to you. And, God, I pray in Jesus' name, according to your word, that, God, you'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. You'll open the windows of heaven over our life. God, the vine will not fail to bear fruit in the field. So, Lord, bless us as we're faithful to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.